Greetings and welcome to Inside Baseball with Old Chestnut. I'm Liam Allen with my friend Morris Sachs. Good morning, MB. How you doing, pal? Buddy, I'm wound up tighter than a frog's ass. Hey, away we go. I I don't think we're going to be able to fit all all the stuff in today. I don't I don't know. How about if we start from the uh, markets and then head south. Great, the floor and, is yours, Mike. The floor is yours. Where, what, what would you like to start with? And, and like know? Breaking Bad, I predict we're going to go out at the very low. Okay. <laughs> um, so, uh, where do I begin? Chapter one. I am born. Yep. Well, let let's start out by talking about professional trading, because I think. That's, you know, the bulk of the reason that people tune in. Um, and then I can go sideways and then uh, you can edit it as you see fit. But, uh, yeah, I got a few things I got to get off my chest at some point. So, But, but we proceed. Um, as you discovered... Uh, there has been some trademark infringement in bootleg T-shirts uh, around the globe of the uh, Ibwok, which we wholeheartedly endorse. Yep, fully. Um, as, as you can see by uh, unbeknownst to me, but today's opener, we continue to violate open and notoriously all copyright rules. <laughs> you know, it's like, hey. You know where I'm at. Come and get me. <laughs> um, anyway, I, I do have quite a lot of material that I'd like to discuss with you. So we'll dig right into it. So first and foremost, the GOAT, Stanley Druckenmuller, has uh, entered the uh, zeitgeist with his pronouncement about the yield curve being the wrong shape. And why I want to lead off with that is because it ties into a lot of things that I think we've talked about uh, and why I think for those of you who are kind of the market, not only do they make a living or interested, it's a little bit of a passion, right? And that's why the the Satan's bushel, I think, is such a worthwhile work, not that you're going to come away from any uh, actionable information, but it's going to give you a sense of reality that I think many people, including um, Herr Druckenmuller, I don't think necessarily gets. Now, obviously, rather bold statement from a, you know, guy sitting in a meager house in Greenwich compared to the greatest of all time, but um, he went out and announced that he thought the yield curve shape was wrong and he was going to act on it. Not only was he going to act on it, he was going to buy, and I believe this is a quote, a massive amount of two-year notes leveraged. Okay, so uh, let me pick that apart a little bit. Um, First of all, uh, I won't say this is uniform, universal amongst professional traders. Certainly, it's more common in fixed income than stocks. But uh, one does not talk about one's position. Um, certainly, and uh, I don't think he listens to the show, but William Ackman when he pronounced a massive short in Herbalife, I looked at one of my colleagues and I was just mortified that somebody would be so ignorant as to announce that they were short something. 
of course, this person received numerous emails congratulating him about the genius discovery. And yet I got a hunch, Nishkit, right? Because the thing about being long is you can own it. You can own it, love it or not, but it can go to zero. If you're shorted, uh, first of all, it can go to infinity and beyond. Uh, but more importantly, to those, to those of us in the mines, uh, you have to borrow your short. And there's an old children's tale from the sea. He who sold what isn't hisn must cover in or go to prison. Mm -hmm. And that street smart kid from the Queens or Bronx, uh, Carl Icahn, decided he was going to have a little go at squeezing old Billy's nuts. And um, I, again, I don't remember how it worked out exactly, but, you know, for someone like myself that's been around the block and somehow managed to dodge almost every bullet that's been fired at him, you know, there's things you try and keep an eye on. So uh, what I found wrong and uh Clearly, we don't charge for this service, so that's probably what it's worth. But um, I think Stan might be one of the first guys to tell you he's more of an equity guy than a bond guy. I don't want to put words in his mouth, but that's my guess. Okay. Now, you know, uh, I reached some level of success in the bond markets, you know, I don't know how you measure success other than I had a job most of the time and I generally cash paychecks that in my world, that's success. But we, and I use the Royal we, the, the, the team that had amassed at the Greenwich Capital, um, we kind of had some general concepts and First and foremost was, if you're putting on a relative value trade, meaning you're long an issue and or short an issue, um, a couple of things were important. One was, I would never do a trade that I didn't have time on my side, meaning I wanted something that if I had to keep it on for a long period of time, it was paying me. That's number one. Number two, I'd also want there to be a catalyst to make the trade work. So futures were always a good um, thing because they ran in 90 day cycles. Now, the problem with Herr Druckenmuller's trade here is um, what we would say is it carries negatively, meaning you own this package and every day you pay to be in it. So if every day it doesn't move in your favor a little bit, you have lost money. So, um, I looked at this trade and again, you know, I, I'm generally in most phases of life relatively helpless and that includes trading. So I tried to do this on my own, keeping in mind I was generally surrounded by the best and the brightest. So I could just ask a question and get an answer. But um, I think the general assumption is that the inverted yield curve should not stay inverted. It's why they call a upward sloping yield curve a normal yield curve. And, and I think the pros all agree that in the long run, the curve will, will normalize. In fact, uh, old chestnut has opined an inverted yield curve creates a recession, but that's We'll leave that for historians to argue 100 years from now. 
But if I did this right, using Bloomberg, and I know I've been accused of disinformation recently, so do your own research. Um, based on the Bloomberg swap curve, which is a, a good proxy for the treasury curve, twos, tens is inverted by 59 basis points, meaning the yield on the two-year, 59 basis points higher than the yield on the 10-year. One year forward, meaning a year from today, to break even on that trade, the curve can only be inverted by five basis points, meaning the trade has to move something like 44 basis points in your favor in a year to break even. So, you know, it's a little bit like what set me off a week or two ago where I fired all of these geniuses, deep thinkers, you know, where they say things about this should happen or that should happen. But when it gets down into the trenches where us simpletons live, but yet try and eke out a meager existence, you're faced with the realities of life. And so one of the guys I just fired, you know, when when interest rates were zero, they predicted rates were going to be higher. La-di-da. Yeah. Um, Take a lap. <laughs> way, to go, way to go out on a limb on that one. But yet they're patting themselves on the back for having such a great call. Yet their call on gold, which... By the way, I'm now going to copyright the lead metal. Yeah. Okay. One of the beauty, one of the beauties of being me is I can make myself laugh. Yeah, I know. Like I think of things and I think they're hysterical. What? So like, for instance, what's the difference between 10 pounds of shit and 10 pounds of gold? You can flush the shit down the toilet. <laughs> Good, yeah. That uh, needs a little work, but it's, it's not bad. There's no, there's no unfunny gold jokes anymore. <laughs> They're all funny. <laughs> so, um, there's a situation, and we're gonna sort of morph from arbitrage discussion to the realities of life, and um, I understand. I'm now in the category of old man and you might even from time to time argue i'm an angry old man although i don't feel angry i i have a lot of fun we have fun yeah. right yeah. yeah yeah so counter to the young 30 year old women who say all old men think they're funny it, it's because we are yeah you just don't know what funny is and and by the way you're gonna end up looking like your mom so <laughs> <laughs> enjoy it while it lasts there we go. Um, so one of our uh, Platinum subscribers, uh, in fact, uh, a member of the Swiss Podcasters Association of Switzerland alerted me to a couple things, and I was a tiny bit asleep at the switch. Uh, you know, the Sachs family is making the move west, um, so, you know, they talk about amateurs, talk about strategies, pros speak logistics. We got a lot of things to line up because, you know, the enemy knows we're on the move. So between having to get the multiple aircraft, mm -hmm. finding body doubles for yep. Cheryl and I is relatively easy, but they know we travel with two dogs. And I'll tell you, you wouldn't believe how hard it is to find two dogs that look like our dogs. <laughs> I, I I mean, it, that's going down to the wire in, in any event um, that, that, that caught my attention, but going back to the conversation uh, with our Swiss podcaster, uh, pal, um, it, it really triggered this feeling of me of the simpletons, we have running the financial system. 
because the lack of second order thinking is striking to me. Allow me to proceed. So a number of years ago, some guy named Satoshi invented this thing called Bitcoin. And uh, we were actually, uh, we, the Royal We, uh, Cheryl actually alerted me to it by reading The New Yorker. And I took it to the office and worked with one of our colleagues who I actually had dinner with um, on Friday night, but I yet have not received his permission to use his name. Um, hopefully one day, because I think he's very talented and it uh, would be quite an honor. But, but regardless, he bought Bitcoin at like $10 or $12 and we, we looked at mining it and he concluded we were gonna lose money because the electricity was, okay. So anyway, we have been onto this thing from relatively day one, but having a bad attitude and, and being a negative person like myself, I generally find flaws in things. And, you know, all of a sudden, the things we've been crying about for literally years are now coming home to roost. So it's fairly common knowledge now that uh, one of the clearing banks, I'm not sure which one, I want to say Bank of New York Mellon, but I'm not sure. Um, apparently, they were uh, hacked. And uh, they're being held for uh, ransom. And uh, they talked about uh, sticks being run up and down Wall Street to the Fed. And um, I wasn't sure what they meant by sticks. I, I think I was kind of, maybe they changed the name. We used to call them like thumb drives, you know, but anyway. Um, so, it screwed up some of the deliveries and to the, the treasury market, which is um, love it or hate it, the world doesn't go around without the treasury market. Okay. So somehow they got the thing operating. There was a bad auction. Uh, did it relate to this situation? I don't know. I don't think it really matters in the long run. I don't think it matters in the short run. I, I know uh, a few guys that I speak to thought there may be an issue and were able to do well in the auction, and I commend them for their foresight. Um, but upon a little bit of a deeper dive, a number of things have come to be clear to me in my mind, and they cross both financial in geopolitical uh, sectors. Um, so clearly, someone has been able to hack into the banks. What I wasn't aware of, now, we have uh, a relationship with uh, a company that uh, a year ago was hacked. And they, they shut the place down. And they were ransomed and the company conducting the ransom had a help desk and these people paid a certain amount of money, right? Okay. Well, it was made possible through a gift from uh, the Bitcoin people because that's how you pay the ransom, mm -hmm. right? Because as I explained earlier, gold is tough to move and dollars i can explain i won't now but i could explain how dollars are really worthless not in inflationary terms but as a means of exchange if you don't if you want to work at it um but uh what i've come to see is and i would invite our listeners uh to investigate this, 
there was a phrase called software as a service. And I think it had something to do with why that Larry Ellison guy got so rich. But now there's something called, are you sitting down? Ransomware as a service. It's 400 bucks a month. So if you can break into someone's system, it's my understanding, you just hand it over to them and they'll take it from there. So I've run out of nasty things to say about Gary Gensler, okay? But you see what's going on now. You got everyone from North Korea to Iran to every 15-year-old kid now trying to hack into banks, okay? And remember, the, the kids, North Korea, they can make thousands of mistakes. The banks can make one. And now, because of the availability through ransomware and Bitcoin, our financial system is now in jeopardy. Are they letting that happen so that they can push the central bank digital currency so that they can put everything on a on a on a central bank digital? I you know that that gets into an area I don't I I think it's mostly criminals and they want the money. I, I and and criminals include Russians. You know, I believe all Russians are criminals. I, I just I can't help it. I'm I'm a bigot. Um but I, you know, I think Russia would love to see a disruption in our financial system. And they, they've created disruption in the minds of our young people, right? I know China's the TikTok, but those two guys are in bed together. So, um, so now we've provided criminals a means to hold us at ransom and collect on it. And then monetize it. Yep. Okay. So uh, what would I do? You know, it's like you love the people that complain but don't have a solution. So Cheryl and I were out to dinner with this couple a couple weeks ago. Really, really nice couple. And the, the fellow was, I think he's retired, a technology specialist in, I think, financial services. And the the lady was a foreign exchange expert. And I was moaning about the Bitcoin. And she goes, well, what would you do about it? And I said, I, I could cure that thing in no time. And she oh? I said, yeah. I said, you find out where the miners are, okay? And you fucking drop a bomb on them and you blow them up. Well, yeah, you can't do that. Yeah. Okay, cut the power. Just shut off the electricity. Uh -huh. So, yes, the the criminals will find other nations, right, to do their mining. But you take you start taking nodes out. Okay, you create uncertainty. What FUD? What's that? Fear, uncertainty. Fear, uncertainty, and doubt. And doubt. Yeah, yeah. Okay, and then you know. I can't believe this is true, but somebody told me, you know, the United States government has these black ops where they do things undercover. No, I no. can't imagine we would no. do such a thing. Don't don't talk about that. Okay. So the other thing, and this is a little bit simpler, and 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 there is history as a precedent. You know, at one point it was illegal to hold gold. Mm -hmm. I know. Yeah. Okay, well, why can't you do that with Bitcoin? Dude, you got Nate Fick on speed dial. Isn't Nate in charge of this? Didn't they put, isn't Nate the director of cybersecurity for the country? You know, um, this falls is. on his shoulders. Okay. We, we, we've put him up on a pedestal. It's time for Nate to act. I think, you know, I, I, I get it. You know, I, I, I need to tread. I want to tread lightly in these areas. Mm -hmm. You know, it was three or four years ago, I kind of offered my services mm -hmm. to the Fed and the Treasury, and I was said, you're a white male, no interest. Um, 
so uh, the other thing I get is um, it's ironic. Um, the hedge fund manager uh, we referred to as Bobo mm-hmm. uh, has been a prolific Bitcoin investor. I know. He loves Tel Aviv. And according to the New York Times, the anti-Semitic publication that is known as the paper of record, has said that Hamas gets a lot of its money through Bitcoin. So you have a Jewish guy supporting the infrastructure for Bitcoin that's allowing the terrorists to murder uh, innocent people and uh, call for the destruction of Israel. That's a bit of a, uh, you know, if he wasn't a sociopath like Kathy Wood, it might be a little bit of a dilemma. But, you know, these people operate on a different level than, uh, you know, guys like you and me. Um, It's been a tough week for me uh, Mm -hmm. because, you know, So I'm Jewish. I grew up Jewish. I was raised Jewish, but I'm not I'm not a practicing Jew. I just I'm not like a big religion guy. You know, I went through all the, the standard stuff. We dragged our daughters through it, mostly because it was like, look, we're gonna make you learn it. And then when you be Come an adult, it'll be up to you. If you like it, great. If you don't like it, great. But we're going to teach you because no matter what you think, the world's going to look at you and say you're Jewish. And um, uh, what I've discovered is, you know, I don't get along with a lot of Jewish people. We we, we butt heads a lot, and. Um, But what I've noticed with not just me, but with a lot of things, since this crisis has developed in Israel, it's like all of the differences um, you have had with your fellow Jews have evaporated. Even, I don't follow the politics there, but apparently the two sides were fighting in Israel and all of a sudden they're like getting along, you know. There's a reason we've been around for 5,000 years, you know? So it's a little bit silly, I think, just to show, tell you how obtuse Hamas is. The odds are not in your favor. You know, when you got a, a people that history has tried to wipe off the map numerous times and we're still here, um, I, I don't think, It's not how you bet, right? Uh, What is unusual, and I remember, uh, and um, I think, uh, by the way, we were, we received another award. Uh, I forgot to tell you, we got the Great Rolling Right Old Bond Dog Podcast of the Year medal. And I think it was related to your... Uh, discussion about you know the the there's no difference between Jews and Irish and, and it was very well received uh, especially in the flyover states interesting um, but um, you know I, we've got this woke culture now and you're seeing things on campuses and it's it's gotten me to the point where literally i won't say it keeps me up at night but i'm i'm afraid i'm afraid for me i'm afraid for my wife i'm afraid for my kids and um you 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 see these one-off things and it's you hate to extrapolate it but some older guy went to a uh a rally. I saw it. And they hit him in the head with a megaphone. 
Down and dead. Dead. So that's that's a hate crime. That's murder. Yep. Okay. Um, I mean, I don't know. That could have been me. I, yep. I go to a lot of I know large, large events, but um, but I need to I need to put things sort of into context. And and two wrongs don't make a right, but uh, I think some context might be important because the it's seemingly it's mostly the universities where a lot of these pro-Palestinian things are, and it reminds me a little bit of the Occupy Wall Street. Um, down, I forget the name, Zakati Park. Mm -hmm. Yeah, of course. I went down there. Uh, I wanted to see what was going on. And I talked to a couple of people. And first of all, they, they hadn't bathed in weeks. I mean, like I, I was gagging. I remember. So bad. And I asked them a question. And it they were financially illiterate. Yeah, tax the rich. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so Cheryl told me she saw they interviewed somebody at one of these rallies at one of the colleges. And, and they asked the person, why are you rallying? She said, well, because on whatever date, the Jews invaded Gaza and murdered. Like they had the whole fucking thing upside down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dude, um, my favorite is the uh, gays and lesbians for Palestine. <laughs> dude, dude. That's like how that's how unaware they are. Okay. Write this write this down. Any homosexual <laughs> wants to go to Palestine or oh, wherever, you send us an email. <laughs> I will provide you a ticket. Yeah. Okay. And when you get there, send us another email and I'll send you a return ticket. Pride flag. I'll send a pride flag with you and see if that see if that helps your your cause. Yeah, dude. When they come out and they're like, we're the LGBTQ supporting Palestine. I'm like, dude, you would get thrown off a roof so fast there. Like, what? That's what they, they. That was what that uh, that sarcastic comedy skit was. Oh, they're gonna throw us a roof party. Yeah. <laughs> no kidding. Uh, this is what I wanted to point out because you be. You can become inured to things, but when people start trying to take the higher ground, that that troubles me. So, um, middle daughter went to London recently. She eager to get out of town and and trying to decide where in the world to go. And she said, "What about London?" I said, well, "If there's any place safe to travel." outside of the continental United States, I, I would say it's London. I, I think they have things pretty well organized. She came home a few days early. I don't know that it was necessarily fearing for her safety, but she was definitely uncomfortable. Okay. And now this is a a, a, a tough kid. This is not, you know, lacy dresses and Barbie dude, dolls. Did you see the pictures from London yesterday? The pro-Palestinian rally on London Bridge? If I was her, I would have got I would have hightailed it out of there too. Dude, did so, you see Grand Central Station? Did you see them kicking the doors of Grand Central the other night? Th th thank you. Th this is what I want to point out. Okay. So all these guys talking about the high moral ground, right? So, December 7th, 1941, a day that will live in infamy, okay? I got these numbers off of Google, so if they're wrong, call Google. But apparently, 2,403 people died, in, you know, military and civilians yeah. on that day, yeah, yeah. okay? Four years later, on August 6th and August 9th, we dropped nuclear devices on Hiroshima and Nagasaki. 210,000 people died that day. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure another thousands yeah. died in the weeks to follow. Okay. So we lost... 2,400 people, 
the United States killed almost 10 times that amount, right? I don't, I wasn't around then. Actually, August 6th is my birthday, but that was 1960. So, but I don't remember pictures of people saying that wasn't equivalent, right? In fact, you've seen the pictures of, you know, VJ Day, where the iconic soldier is kissing the nurse, and it was euphoria, right? Okay. Um, so when you look at what's going on in Israel, I don't think it's a war. I, I don't think these numbers are out of proportion to what the United States has done. We can talk about what Great Britain has done in terms of, well, first of all, they, I don't know if I got this exactly right, but they picked up all the criminals and sent them down to Australia. Um, I've always thought it would be kind of fun to have somebody kidnap somebody from the royal family, cut their head off, and put it on a stake like the kings and queens and did it near the Tower of London. I think it's called Traitor's Gate. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. They no, they would cut people's heads off and is a little bit of a just watch yourself, right? <laughs> so even the anti-Semitic New York Times has a picture of a hospital in Gaza with a tunnel where the terrorist organization Hamas is Okay, so a um, hospital that shoots back. <laughs> so, um, you know, it's pretty straightforward from my perspective. They're violating the rules of war and it's crimes against humanity. And, uh, I, you know, I guess the humane thing is to go in and try and get as many of the elderly and the sick out of the hospital, but you're going to lose tens of thousands of lives of Israeli soldiers. I like the line from alien, actually aliens take off and nuke it from orbit. It's yeah. the only way to be sure. Well, dude, I, I got to say, from, from sitting here in the from the shores of Connecticut, I got to say Israel has shown a lot of restraint. Dude, they could have turned that thing into a pile of concrete overnight, but they've gone, we're what, how many days out now? We're a, a, a month out, and they've gone building by building by building, Um, yeah. and, and they haven't destroyed it. And they've gotten the women and children out, and the women that have come out have been like, you know— they blame Hamas. They're like, my kid is dead because of Hamas. And I've heard the civilians come out and they said that it was fine when they were when the Israel occupation, quote unquote, was going on. They lived in peace and prosperity, but they said it's the animals of Hamas. It's, you know, now you got to separate palace, innocent Palestinian civilians from Hamas terrorists that live in the same house or hospital. And it's impossible to do. So, you know, the fact that Israel hasn't bombed the thing back into a sand pile, it's like that to me, they've shown incredibly, incredible restraint. What what saddens me is um, I will never remember. Maybe you can help me. The current secretary of state. A Anthony Blinken. Yeah. So he made the comment that. You know the 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 deaths are getting awful high or something. Yeah, yeah. Like he wants a pause. Okay. Yeah. You know, there's no crying in baseball. Oh shit! Exactly. Um, and, and what people haven't really uh, entertained, although over here at the Ibwak think tank, we've talked about this late into the night. Israel has nuclear weapons. Okay. If they're going to lose this war, okay, it's going to be because of Iran. And now Israel's going to fire those nuclear weapons at Iran and we'll have World War Three. Mm -hmm. So it's not a question of, you know, why is Israel our ally? You know, you can say 
democracy in the Middle East, technology, and all those things are very true. But, you know, they're not going to stand by and, and be, you know, taken out. And so it is in the United States interest, as it is in every other country's interest, to get this Hamas thing out of the out of the way, because Israel's committed; they're not stopping until Hamas is eviscerated. And you know, in, in a lot of ways, I, I think the future of the world uh, kind of depends on it. But um, anyway, I, I, can we change topics just because I I don't want to become yeah. so morbid. I, no, 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 no. It's, yeah, it's, a, no, get... it's been a tough week. You've almost had to turn the news off because like you said, the, the news with the university, the, the headlines, the people tearing down the posters, all right, the shit at Grand Central, the shit at London. It's it's such it's such a dev- divisive, unsolvable, morbid problem right now that you know, it's I don't have a solution tonight. You don't have a solution tonight. Um, but it it but it spills into everything except seemingly the market. The market has been resilient of that, except for crude oil, which has been a head scratcher. I guess you want to try to talk about that. Well, I, you know, um, there was a one of my mentors who I haven't mentioned in a long time, uh, C. Richard Schwarz, aka Rico. He traded treasury bills at Lanston, and uh, I traded the long bond. And when he would go on vacation, the stupidest thing in the world would happen. They would take me, the long bond trader, the least important person at Arbor G. Lanston, and I would become the bill trader, the most important person at Arbor G. Lanston for a week or 10 days. Because Lanston was like the front end shop, hence Mr. Two Year here, right? Okay. But uh, that's just how it worked in those days. And and Enrico was uh, an eccentric guy. Um, One of the things he told me was when you enter a political market, get out. Because common sense is not going to work interesting and instead of digging yourself a hole just get flat and wait it out and wait till you see something that seems pretty obvious so in in my case you know we backed these muni yields up to levels that to me were very compelling and by the way our our muni guy uh, Bob had back surgery this week, so we'd like to shout out to uh, get well soon, Bob. You know, he's such a big factor in the muni market. Um, his nickname is Jaws. Wow! So he was his back got hurt carrying the weight of all that all that responsibility. No, the- actually, actually, it's, I'm glad you brought that up. I've got a couple of pet hobbies, you know. Um, one is the elimination of cotton. Yeah, I know. Because I, I, I think it's a terrible fabric. The other is golf. Allow me to explain. It's an angry game. You take very nice middle-aged white men and they walk along angrily banging metal sticks into the ground, getting very frustrated. It's an environmental hazard between the chemicals and the water, mm-hmm. right? It's completely racist. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's segregated. So I don't see, you know, I, I, I guess you could say the same thing about the NBA. Mm-hmm. I don't know. You don't see a lot of black golfers. You don't see a lot of Jewish basketball players. Um, I guess we'll just have to learn to live with that. But I I think we should eliminate golf. Yep. I mean, honestly, think think of the lives that would be saved and the slow death. It's dying a slow death. The next couple of generations will finish it off. Okay, so don't worry. Yeah. Well, when the depression comes, they'll have to sell the land off. I know. I know. 
which is, by the way, that that's happened a couple of times. Dude, the one in White Plains is still, the, the the White Plains has a, a weed farm. Okay, they they got the country club went out of business, and it's just a blight on the land. Okay, yeah. Anyway, yeah. go ahead, and, uh, Uncle Mark, a long time lifelong golfer, back trouble. Yeah, yeah. You know, thankfully, I saw the light and pulled up before it was before I hit the mountain. Oh, so um, roll with me here, okay? So I know how the United States is going to solve the Iran problem. I figured it out. You saw this movie, you heard of this movie, Argo? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yes. Okay, so... The long story short is a bunch of Americans were taken hostage in in Iran. Mm -hmm. And uh, Ben Affleck, I mean, the actor, not, you know, that he wasn't the guy, but he played. Okay. So they pretended they were making a movie. Right. And that's how they got the hostages out. Mm hmm. Okay, so you're with me so far, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, so Iran has this nuclear uh, setup deep buried in the mountain. Okay, this is the beauty of the thing. This movie that just came out like a year ago, uh, Top Gun Maverick. Mm-hmm. So what the Navy's been doing is they're pretending to make a movie and so they're running all these sorties, mm-hmm. telling the Iranians, this is just a movie. Wow. Yet they're getting practice. Wow. For- yeah, 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 yeah. 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 What do you think of that? Um, that would be really I wouldn't put it past them. <laughs> I I think they're still trying to decide whether they're gonna let Tom Cruise actually fly in the plane. I know that's yeah. the hold up. Yeah, yeah. Classic. Um, Apparently, a book was released about Bridgewater. Am I going to have to read it? Am I? Are we going to read it or not? Are we going to? No, I, I'll tell you why we're not going to read it. Um, <laughs> I have a little story. I don't know if you want to hear it. Absolutely, absolutely. Thank you, thank you for humoring the old man. <laughs> so, um, uh, I was having lunch one day at Le Penguin in Greenwich, right? And um, I was supposed to meet uh, my friend Ben Carpenter for lunch. And Ben uh, forgot, which is not the first time Ben has forgotten to meet me for a meal. Uh, (laughs) But anyway. um, Can you on that a little bit? (laughs) Nah, you know, Ben's one of the good Sounds like you do. (laughs) But I'm sitting there playing with my phone, and there's a heavyset guy uh, sitting to my left. You know, it's a tight restaurant, and and he's there with a younger woman who I came to realize was his daughter. And I kept looking at the guy, and I realized I recognized him. So... This guy was neighbors of Gregoire. And he worked at Bridgewater. And um, we started, I said, aren't you so-and-so? I said, yeah, so-and-so. How's it going? And he starts bitching about working at Bridgewater. And, you know, it's like, I'm so tired. It's such a pain in the ass. I'll have a 23-year-old feel like they can walk into my office and start. And and he's going on and on about how he hates it. Now, I have a pet peeve about people making a lot of money bitching about their job. If you don't, if you're making, you know, anything north of a half a million bucks, you don't like your job fucking quit yep or not but don't tell me about it because i don't care right so this guy he's 
50, 75 pounds overweight. I'm in a bad mood because Ben's not there. And we're chatting. And he starts going on about how he hates working at Bridgewater. And so I took the bait. And I'm like, well, you know, why, why, why do you, why do you work in there? You don't like it so much. Why, you know, I'm trying to keep it low key because the guy's daughter's there. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. I said um, something along the lines, you know, you used to be a semi-pro baseball player. Uh, you know, why don't you go down at, at noon and hop on the bike? He goes, well, nobody can do that. I go, what are you talking about? E.G. and I go down, you know, Monday to Friday. It's like we would watch two episodes of Band of Brothers. That's on the on. I'm telling you, on the bike. Yeah. Um, he said, "Well, you, I can't leave my desk during the day to go exercise," and and but he would go on and on about how he hated the job, and I just kept drilling him with the, you know, life's too short how much money this or that yada 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 and 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 so it was it was ugly but hey you know what yeah sucks for him yeah yeah but um what happens was and uh again this is based upon a true story um he was let go from Bridgewater for uh an article appearing in the paper of record the Greenwich Time for domestic violence. Yeah. Yeah. Don't see him much around here no more. Right, 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 right. Wow. Yeah. yeah. So I, I uh, what was weird was I recalled being at our friend's house for a couple of cocktail parties and the wife was always moaning about him being um, a philanderer, which is an amazing thing because if you saw this guy <laughs> funny but uh, yeah well i don't know yeah. i don't know um michael lewis uh i meant to talk about last week who so who <laughs> supposedly one of the best financial writers of our generation steps on his dick in terms of getting the Sam Bankman free wrong. Yeah. Um, so I wondered how much other stuff has he gotten wrong in his career? And I hearken back to his seminal work called Liar's Poker. Earlier in our podcast, I mentioned that when Rico would go on vacation, I was moved down to the treasury bills. Now, that's back when treasury bills were like a real thing. And so, you know me, when I try, I can be rather charming. Mm -hmm. And so the heads of all the Wall Street firms would call in in the morning to talk to the Lance and treasury bill trader because we had this fellow named Irv Auerbach who had been at the Fed, and he was the guy that calculated, that came up with the system to calculate reserves in the system, which when you trade the front end of the treasury market, it's very important. So all of the big shots would call in, and they would say, what's Uncle Irv calling for today? And I would take that as an opportunity to introduce myself and then make a point of later in the day, calling back and saying, hey, so-and-so, this is Morris. We spoke earlier. I just wanted to take a second to introduce myself. So if you need anything, you know, clearly I'm just trying to plant my name, right? Okay. Mm -hmm. But uh, so one of these guys, uh, uh, his name is Craig Coates, who ran the trading desk at Solomon when Solomon was Solomon. Okay, was it what was like the best year for the Yankees? Like the nineteen ninety nine, yeah, ninety nine, two thousand one, yeah, yeah. Well, Solomon in the bond market was like that. Yeah. So yeah. I got to know, no quote, no, Craig Coates. Like so, if you said, 
do you know more sex? He would say, yes. Okay. Well, so I um, worked my way into meeting the Solomon Brothers traders. So the two-year trader was this fellow named Neil Dubrow, who traded just, you know, um, I guess Stanley Druckenmiller, Druckenmiller used the term massive amounts of two-year notes. What Neil Dubrow would trade in an hour would dwarf. Okay. Then the intermediate trader, Tom Murphy, who got caught up in the uh, auction scandal, ended up working with us at Greenwich Capital. And then the long bond trader, uh, Joel Casas, uh, I got to know. And I met Paul Mosier, and I met a couple of these other guys. But I bring it up because Michael Lewis wrote the book about liars poker. And I'm out to dinner with some of these Solomon guys one night. And um, I forget the name of the restaurant. It was in the West Village. But um, I was talking to one of the traders. I won't say which one. But they were talking about this book coming out. And it was supposed to be like the inside look. And it was about this built around this game of liars poker that these guys play. And if you don't know what liars poker is, look it up. I, I don't want to spend the time now. But I knew then before the book came out, okay, that these guys cheated. It was almost common knowledge that the guys on the arb desk cheated playing liars poker. Yet I don't remember that being in the book. Kind of undermines the book. <laughs> so, you know, um, I'm kind of wondering, you know, whether Michael really is doing his homework. I, yeah. you know, so we urge caution. Yeah, totally embarrassed. Totally embarrassed himself. It's a bad way. To, it's a bad way to go down. You know, otherwise, because you know. Well, it's it's a worse way to go down to be chief counsel of Bridgewater and get fired for domestic abuse. <laughs> it is tough. Um, if we don't get sued uh, for that, yeah. You're speaking of this, we talked about the sphere in Las Vegas. Did you see that the 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 CIO or the CFO of the sphere walked out of his job on Friday because Dolan was yelling at him? <laughs> no, I I didn't get that. I I um. I was too upset myself. We, I, I violated one of the fundamental rules of trading. Last week's show, um, I talked about how I had a great week. <laughs> Remember that? Of course. There's a term for that. It's called the Hava. <laughs> <laughs> and for those of you who aren't from the East Coast, it refers to a joyous Jewish song called Hava Nagila. If I could, I, I hear it playing at Madison Square Garden at the hockey game right now. Okay. It sounds great on the organ at the garden. Okay. And I would sing it. You know, Hava Nagila. Yeah. Hava Nagila. But, but the reason I reference it is because it's quite common for a trader to have a good day, walk around the trading floor telling everyone how well he did. And then for the next weeks, it, it goes south on them in a hurry. Yeah. Now, I, I didn't have a bad week, but I, I, um, I violated that thing. So I'm asking for forgiveness. All right. Well, you know, the market just ripped this week. They said, off we go to the races. It just up, 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 up. Yeah, you know they they got they got all its moving day averages back and yeah and so on and so forth. Well, it, it, Lacey Hunt is calling for lower long term rates. Um, he's, taking, of, he's taking a beating, dude. He is taking a beating. Hoisington is at the bottom of the list. Yeah, you know, it's tough to. I I'm I'm a stand by my guy thing, and I the long and variable lags. I'm still yeah. wa I'm yeah. waiting, and dude, yeah. dude, the cracks are showing. Like, but dude, it's every week. Torsten Slock, pick it like Torsten. Pick it. Which way are we going here? Okay, because 
Doctor, Doctor Slock. Okay, I apologize. With all due respect, every mo- some mornings I'm like, "Up, oh, here we go." And the cracks are showing. And then the next morning, he's like, "Oh, things are doing great." So I don't. It's just it's tough. It's tough to parse through the information. At, at least Lacey Hunt and Torsen Slock are free. <laughs> true. True. Okay. Um, uh, I don't know, bud. I've I've kind of I took your advice. I stayed away from the heads up display. Um, I've kind of run through my notes. I we talked about the two year twos tens carries negatively. You know, you don't want to do that. I explained the Hava. Yeah. Given my view on uh Hamas. Yeah. Uh, Thank you. I think we've kind of ticked all the boxes, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um yeah, I got nothing else. Um, it was just, uh, dude, like you said, it has been a tough week, and I hate to bring it up, but that geopolitical stress has just clogged up the the news feed, and it's just spinning your tires in mud. It's not getting better, but the but the the stock market has seemingly shrugged that off, and they have, you know, yes, yes, unrest. Yes. I, I can explain that to you. There's huge amounts of cash sitting on the sidelines. It's just that simple. So when I saw this thing about the hack, I I got really concerned. So I called uh, on one of our friends from the Swiss Podcast Association of Switzerland, and I said, "Well, what 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 do we do? I mean, the conventional wisdom is sell stocks, buy gold. What do you think?" He goes, "Well, first of all." everyone's long gold that trades like shit. So you don't want to do that. Secondly, secondly, um, there's too much cash around. Shortened stocks is not the way to go. Wow. So the fact of the matter is, from what he can tell, <clears throat> everybody's short treasuries. Now, he's in a better position to me. But I will tell you, if you think the curve is going to go positive. The trade is like this. You buy the front end and you sell the long end, which means people are short the long end. And so the market, its job is to try and shake people, which could be why, you know, the the long end rallied type thing. Um, but I go back to Rico's kind of view. I mean, the overnight rate's five something. And, you know, for me is we've perseverated ad nauseum. You need to invest based on your own particular circumstances. And I view this much more as an informational podcast for investors, not for traders. But as an investor, it's a very, it's easy to me. I mean, you look at, pick them, you know. Yeah. Yeah. But don't be levered and, and don't be planning on capital gains anytime soon. And and that's just you don't generally get those kind of opportunities. And uh well, I don't know. I wait and see what this week brings. But we are heading to Arizona and I'm looking forward to getting out of Shitsville here. We went up, we had dinner on Friday night in Bronxville, okay? Now, I think this is going to put a smile on your face. I never really liked Cheryl's Tesla. I fucking hate this car now. (laughs) So, the Sawmill River Parkway? Oh, one of the great highways in New York, yeah. Roller coaster. What's your problem with the sawmill? (laughs) Not my problem, but apparently Elon Musk... Doesn't know how to program a fucking computer because we were like 45 minutes late to dinner (laughs) because it doesn't know how to deal with the fucking Sawmill River Parkway. (laughs) Dude, you got a Porsche truck. Why didn't you take your Porsche? Well, because I was under the influence. (laughs) I think I got it. Yeah. Why shouldn't the old Jewish guy taking a gummy drive a two-ton killing machine? I don't know. <laughs> Call me crazy. Right. And your route to Bronxville is no, is no it's twice. It's the merit to the cross county. By the way, just for, for you know this, but for listeners, 
this Sawmill River Parkway is such a fucked up situation. Every five years or so, and this is this is sad, it'll be Christmas Eve, it'll be New Year's Eve, someone will be drunk, they'll get on it going the wrong way. All the time. And, yep. and they'll kill, it, it'll be four or five, eight, ten people will die. Because mm -hmm. right? It's it's not like most normal places where it's like you want to go east, you go here, you want to go west there. No, not not anything like that. It you come to the fork in the road, and <laughs> it's like pick them. <laughs> so anyway, I guess I'll get to see you a little later today. Is today the party? Are we having a party today? I think we are. All right. Yeah. Gonna be limos all up and down the street. Am I gonna have to walk from like <laughs> no, I've I've got the valet parking arranged. Okay, good, good, good. No all promises right. about the food, but the wine's gonna be great. Right. And, and the only question about the food is that if I can get it up to proper temperature without destroying it. Great. So. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> All right, but all right, pal, I'll see you next week. Oh, I'll see. You. We'll see the audience next week. I want to thank all the guys that wrote nice emails this week and the shipping labels and the. Oh, Rupert, thank yeah. you for. Rupert. Where yeah. do you see this hat? Where do you see this fucking hat that this guy Rupert sent us? Blind I don't squirrel, know. right? Blind squirrel macro. Follow Rupert. Blind squirrel macro. Blind squirrel macro. Now I'm not, <laughs> Rupert. I'm trying to treat this as a compliment. I don't know whether your market calls are right or wrong, but that squirrel shit you have on your website and your merch, it's top shelf. It really, you you, you crushed it. If you're half as good in the market as you are with this rest of the stuff. So awesome. We, we don't hear much from uh, Market Huddle lately. I wonder how they're doing. Market huddle? They had company yeah. on. Got people filling in. I don't know. I mean, we didn't get invited for the holiday show, which is a, obviously a, a that's going to be a problem. We'll see what happens. It's November do, now. Do haven't think, we done two holiday? Haven't they used us for two to carry their ratings through the holidays? Too? I don't know how it. I, I remember they did a. They did a. They tried to. They tried to bamboozle me. I I made a prediction on one of their podcasts that I was moving to all cash. And for like two weeks, <laughs> I was wrong. And it was like, oh, let's see how Morris's all cash portfolio did. Blah, 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 blah. Don't hear about that no more, do we? No. All right, buddy. Points later. <laughs> all right, pal. Later. Have a great day. Take care.